What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. This episode is brought to you by a landlocked naval officer who needed a new hobby outside of drinking snotty IPAs. Thank you, Mark. Hey, that's that time it worked. I have no idea how that's going to sound because in my headphones, I sounded like I was drowning out. But on the sound lines, it doesn't that look like good. I was. So um, just so you guys know, doing this stuff in real time is hard. <laughs> 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 we actually just did that intro live, um, live here in our little makeshift studio. Um, I say little because we could literally have a band back here behind us. Um, Natalie's recording. So if you want to swing around there and get, uh, get what's going on, we have Les Crowder is actually here observing in the studio. Natalie is here as well. So we've got be mindful in the studio with us today. Um, they are not on microphones, so they are just, uh, observing what's going on, but we are not in the radio station. And when I say studio, we are actually in a audition or rehearsal space mm-hmm. for bands and practices. Mm-hmm. Um, what we have done, and uh, for those of you on Patreon, you're going to get a more in-depth version of this uh, here this week. But for everybody else out there, just so everybody's aware of what's going on, we have officially, for better or worse, cut our ties with iHeart. Um, mm-hmm. We are now completely adrift and afloat on our own without the protective umbrella of iHeart itself. And the, the main reason for that and the thing that kind of spurred that on was COVID and yeah. all of the restrictions and stuff. St- yeah. You had a studio. It took, it did. It I, took, could, I could stay in the studio. But well, you it's actually, it's starting to affect you now. Yeah, it is. It yeah. just, it's so now they've got it to where originally, obviously Ken and I could be in the studio. We could do our stuff. Then they changed it to where nobody was allowed in the studio. Except hard employees. Well, they, they changed it back to where it could be one person per room. So you could have the producer, their original plan was they wanted the producer in the studio and that was it. Uh, And in radio terminology for everybody out there, the producer is the person that runs the soundboard. Mm -hmm. So it's a better term is the soundboard operator. In other words, it's John. Today, it's John. Mm -hmm. Hi, 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 hi. John the producer. So the, um, that was their original concept. Then they decided they could have one person per studio per mic that was your mic that was all you got to use Mm -hmm. that's it and so that made it to where any show like this one or even like the morning sports show where there's two individuals you have to come up with more interesting ways to do it and so we had to go one of us remote so i would call in on the phone that caused a whole nother set of problems because even though technology is to the point where it shouldn't be this way you literally sounded like you were talking on an am radio through the phone because we're an AM station. I know, but but that's not, and you learned this <laughs> just this last week. The phones went down in the studio, yeah, and you guys had to route your calls through the internet, and yeah. they came out crystal clear and amazing. Okay. So it is that that old phone connection that they have, and the software for that is what is causing the uh, the whole mess up there, I think. But to do this... That was causing the show not to sound great. We had to come up with ways. We also, um, you know, anybody who's been listening to us since the beginning used to hear us talk about Eric all the time. And Eric was our quote-unquote producer, our soundboard operator. You got to get him in here. Well, he got furloughed. Yeah, but we and, get him in here. Well, the, the, we don't know because we don't know if we're going to stay here. Um, well, yeah. This is a whole, this is a once-in-a-while um, thing that we are trying here. 
And uh, by the way, for anybody who can see this video or who watches it online, none of this stuff is ours except for all of the electronics. <laughs> Just this little pile. The couch, the chairs, the the strange, dark, little black room that we're in. Um, so I have been complaining uh, a lot to Ken, and uh, I've even complained to Natalie and, and a few other people that I have been very disappointed in the show ever since COVID happened because when it took Ken and I out of the studios, number one, it screwed our sound quality Mm -hmm. and it made it very challenging to go through and try to figure out how to fix that. Number Mm -hmm. two, it took Ken and I away from each other, which took away the interaction and the interplay that can happen throughout the show Mm -hmm. that gives some of that quality and emotion and feeling to the show. Yeah. And we talk about our beards. (laughs) I actually, you don't have one and I just trimmed. Um, Yeah, thanks, Duck (laughs) Dynasty. So that that was a little disheartening to me, and I didn't really like the way that that it it made everything sound. And it it may not necessarily have carried over to you guys, to the listeners. You may not necessarily have felt that, but I felt it, and it was bothering me. The other thing that was bothering me was the sound quality. And we had a lot of things and hurdles and stuff that we had to kind of overcome. So Mm -hmm. what we have done is purchased and and anybody who follows us on social media, you have seen uh, a post out there that we just did on, we got a bunch of new toys. So we have our own uh, micro soundboard. We have our own microphones, our own microphone stands, amplifiers, boosters, phantom power, you name it. We've got the entire setup and uh, now we can record but the trick, though, is we, we've been working towards, and you heard in the interview with Jim Astley, the Homestead Hens and Honey, um, and I've done several off on the side. You've heard us talk about wanting to do through Podbean and doing a potential live show situation that's virtual on, online. The part of the, the really appealing part of that is that Ken can be at home mm-hmm. and I can be at home or I can be wherever and we mm-hmm. can at least still produce the show. But to be able to have the face-to-face interaction that we were missing, and there you go. A turkey. I don't know that you guys actually heard it, but there was a turkey call there. Um, that'll, <laughs> that be the, that'll be the test, and there's a curse flash. That'll be the test of the show and the mics is to see if we actually heard those. And while you're at it, turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure mine's off so then I'm not a hypocrite. Um, yes, mine is off. Okay, so so we are doing this now in a live situation between Ken and I so that we can be in a studio setting, but we had to find space to rent, which is going to be additional charges for that. Mm -hmm. There are spaces in town dedicated just for podcasting that have all the setup, but what you pay for it, honestly, in the long run is not worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, We would, we would have been doing this in your garage. Well, with enough proper setup, my garage is full of B stuff. (laughs) So there is no space in my garage. Um, but we are looking at other alternatives. So we will probably do some of these in-studio, quote-unquote, style recordings every once in a while. The rest of them we're going to be doing through the remote system where we can both call into the system with a better sound quality using these microphones and using everything else to get it going and uh, see how it works out. You know what? what? I just thought of something. Uh-oh. We got Les Crowder in here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm sitting here. Les, uh, Les can't talk back. I know. He has so many questions and we can't get answers. <laughs> I just built a top bar out of two-inch, all two-inch, two-inch uh, rough cedar, and, and then two-inch underneath. Do I need to make my top bars out of two-inch material? 
as this, just to clarify, is this the top bar or is this the long lane? No, I've got a long lane same way too, but no, the top bar, I've okay. got it. I made out of two inch. All right. So we have a question for our audience and <laughs> you guys are not going to be able to hear the answer, but I'm going to take my, my headphone off so I can hear less and we'll see what he says. And then I will translate this back over. Right. So Les's response is that they don't necessarily have to be made out of the two inch. Um, you can make them out of whatever you've got, but if you do have the two inch and you can rip them out of the two inch, it is going to provide more insulation above the bees for the roof of the hive, which is good both in the summer and the winter. Um, and then a little side note kind of caveat to that is that extra thickness also helps the stability of the bar. The thinner the bar gets, once it gets the weight on there yep. with moisture and heat, that. they can bow. Yep. Um, and that two inch thick bar actually adds additional support from that as well. So looky there, um, though no one actually got to hear less, we have video evidence. He really is here. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, Natalie, Natalie, she did selfie a minute ago. Oh, so yeah, she did. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> I'm all like hunched over in this chair all weird, so now I'm going to be self-conscious. Um, anyhow, any other random little questions you have there? I got a 40-frame, long, 40-frame, long, 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 long lane. Long lane to a built. Well, my brother <laughs> built it. Yeah, he's 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 got new toys for us yeah. to put these in. And then next in. year I'm going to be play. We're going to put one of the wild, one of the feral swarms <laughs> into like, it. Talking the mic, man. I know. I'm sitting there <laughs> looking at you. Dang it. Have well, you can. Weird. You can. Yeah. If you want to slide around, you I won't be able to lean this, backwards. This. Do you want me to? Uh, you want me to slide around so that I'm? No, I'm good. Facing you better. No, I'm just going. That's where you always sat before. You sat to the side of me. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I didn't even think about that, but this is actually where yes, we would have been. Yes, this is the way it was set there up. Would, there would have been a weird little curved mm-hmm. table here yeah. between us that would then bow around that way. And you got number three, Mike. Not anymore. I'm no, number one, baby. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but now I got a 40-frame long line, and it's made out of all two-inch, and I'm going to put the frames in there and then I'm going to put two inch uh, material over the top of that to even insulate it more. So I don't know. We're just, we're just playing and still ain't got the damn flow hive put together. Okay. (laughs) In defense of your non flow hive. Yes. Apparently all you gave me and all this fuss has been over is a fancy freaking Langstroth box because you didn't yeah, I got buy the same the thing. My, yours is an eight frame. Mine's a ten frame. Yeah, but it's just the deep box. No, it's I not. Gotta, I got to get the. Other it's stuff. not the flow apparatus at all. No. Yeah, and I told you if I had, if I had have actually gotten around to opening that box up to put it together and found that out, I'd have been so damn mad. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, also not put together, but with flow frames. One of my consultation clients, um, who I manage the hives for. Mm-hmm. She actually, what are you, you're kicking things. Yeah, I think nothing going to fall down. I'm well, I hope not. Table. I was going to say this table shady, man. It's sketchy. I know. <laughs> so the, uh, she has two flow setups. Mm-hmm. Um, she has since her life has changed. She has a new little girl and uh, she now lives in town. She's not out at the farm. So her hives that I manage are now actually at my apiary. And she just pays like a, a small management fee for me to take care of them out there. So I need to buy one of her hives and I'll have one. No, but she's got two flows. Those hives are top bar hives. She's got two flow setups 
and Ooh. she's going to give them to me to use so that we can actually use them on the show and stuff. And they have the flow frames. It's the full thing. And they're the Australian. Well, see, that's what I was waiting on. They're the Australian. Yeah, version. mine's the Chinese. <laughs> they're the real deal. Yeah. Um, so we do have that, and that will be uh, something that we can play with and uh, model after. That'll obviously be two years removed from when it should have happened, but we will look at that next spring as we come into it. We'll put bees in there. Um, and I'm not going to put a package in there. I will literally transfer an existing full colony into that box and then put the the medium and the flow box above it, and we'll go from there. What were you counting on your fingers there? I'm just sitting there. i got lying, a long line, lying, top bars. That's it. That's all I got. That's all you got. Now, if we add in the rest of the room, you also have Warre, because Natalie has Warre hives, and you're just you top make bars. yours out of rope? No, that's a skep. That's a skep hive. And technically, you probably have one of those, too. Do you have, like, even just for decoration? So, basically, basically Natalie just named off everything but a skep um, is what she has there at, at her place. Uh, or are they are they at your place or are they at Vista? There's hives at Vista, too, right? Gotcha. Um, again, you guys didn't get to hear that, but it was great information for me. So, and then uh, on, on a side note here... Um, we have lost Les Crowder from the initial metropolitan area. You actually moved down by San Antonio. Um, and I didn't realize that here until last weekend when we were doing a little video shoot for license plates, which we have to do before you leave, which is really funny because you're wearing the Hive Jive shirt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Instead of advertising your company, you'll be advertising the show. Um, that is, I didn't think about that, but I was like, Hey, Natalie will be in town. We can get a reshoot of that. Um, but yeah, so I, I just figured that out so that it's awesome that you're, you've driven up here to be with us today. Thank you very much for that Les. Thank you, Les. And, uh, and if we, when, when we have the extra microphones, then the next time we do something like this, everybody can be involved and we'll just have a big powwow and it'll be so fun. And then I can play with more dials here on, uh, on our little sound pad. Um, oh, Les, I've caught how many swarms have I caught now on in my barrel top bar trap? Uh, two. Yeah, we didn't keep get the one from last year. That big, huge high swarm come in. Yeah, there. that one came in and left. Yeah. Then another one came in and we took it out. Uh huh. And we put it in in the top bar, and then right. I caught another one after that. Okay, so three. You've caught three in there. And I had another one wanting to move in while and that other bunch was in there. Giant blue drum cut in half, yeah. like you did back in New Mexico. And I made traps out of them. You guys have two of them still. Yeah. So he used it for a swarm trap, basically. And mm -hmm. then once they move in and start getting established, then we take the bars out, put them into a wooden version, and then set the trap back up. Mm -hmm. I have I keep turning my head now, like like Ken, so I have no idea what that's doing to the sound. You're, these you're staying on. It. You're staying on. It. Okay, I was gonna say these microphones are what they call end register or or front end. So you have to be literally straight at the tip of the mic to pick up the sound. So if you do something like this, it goes away. <laughs> or if you do something like. Hello, guys and girls. I'm talking to you on the on the FM. <laughs> That's when um, Ken molests his microphone <laughs> and uh, puts his hands on it and gets mm -hmm. all up on it. Yep. Um, but that's kind of how these are are actually supposed to be set up. I was uh, just for you know, so I don't have to bleep things out for kicks and giggles. There you go. There are extra things on this sound pad that are just kind of fun. Um, we can you know everybody needs a little applause every now and then with their life. So we can do that. 
and you can actually have applause in the show. And uh, then we have we can do uh, our own game show. We can. And uh, Ken, tell us a joke. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice yeah. try, buddy. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Next, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so there, there's all these fun little things that we can actually add in here too. Um, the intro to this show that you actually heard was actually played on here. We have it re- like saved onto the soundboard, played on here, and then the sponsorship version of it when us saying thank you to Mark. Mm-hmm. That was live. That was actually Ken and I trying to keep up with the the recording and, and talking over it. So. Um, all just fun little things that we can do now that we were not able to do before. So yay to technology. Um, we are, what? other than talking about random stuff, we haven't really talked about anything. I know. We're telling everybody about what we got, our toys, our new toys. Yes. And he who dies with the most toys wins. That's been your version of things well, okay. ever since I've known you. Yes. Um, the Yeah, so... You had some questions about, um, and this will be a kind of a, a quicker overview of things, but you had some questions about mites and mm-hmm. mite checks in the fall mm-hmm. and the importance of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll get that in here so that there is a little bit of beekeeping information and education into this episode. And then uh, for those of you who are subscribers to Patreon, there will be a deeper dive episode coming out that is going to be all in depth on mites and, and everything related to that as well. So you can check that out. Um, what was your, go ahead. What was your question? I got one uh, line we checked the other day had uh, three, we saw three bees had three mites. Well, we saw more bees than that, but we had three mites. So we're going to do a check on those. But since I have lost a lot of bees this year, yeah, I don't know if it's, Due to the weather, due to the, or you know the drought, or we didn't have the flowers up there, or what? And I mean, I've lost a number of bees, and but we picked up a bunch of bees too with swarms that we've caught. Yeah, I think you suffered from kind of a multi-faceted yeah. issue. Yeah, um, I should have been feeding. Last year there were a ton of flowers oh, yes. out there. Yes. This year there weren't hardly any, and communication issues between you and I, um, mm-hmm. when I would ask a question in regards to, you know, is there this or is there that you'd be like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're doing great. Well, so then when you say, do they need to feed? I'm like, no. Um, but what we didn't realize though, is that in the hive looking in the comb, there actually was no liquid in there. They weren't no. really bringing in enough no. nectar to support what was going on inside the hive, no. let alone get any stores. So a lot of the packages did end up shrinking down, but the one thing that has been consistent and this goes into the the main point of the topic for this, is that last year in the fall, mm-hmm. you had two Langstroth nukes that had started mm-hmm. off and they had built up to a full size yeah. deep box. Right. Both of those ended up having horrific mite problems. Yes. And we treated those with the Apivar or Apigard, Apigard, Apigard the thymol. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had they left. We did it in the middle of the summer. It was hot, and even though we were within the registered temperature range mm-hmm. for that. Um, we killed one colony, mm-hmm. and the other colony mostly absconded. They left. But they did leave the queen and a few bees, and we tried mm-hmm. to hop that along to get it going. They refused to touch any of the comb that smelled like the thymol, mm-hmm. and that comb still smells like thymol. So, it's yeah, it's not. it was not a good thing at all. Um, Natalie's over here shaking her head in horror at me. Um, Natalie and Les, that's why I was like, this is not the great topic for today, because Natalie mm-hmm. and Les are 100% 
treatment free, all natural. They do like IPM, integrated pest management. So there's brood breaks and there's splits and there's things like that to help kind of keep the mites in check. But no chemical treatments, no synthetic treatments, definitely no synthetic treatments, even us on that. We will do um, where we will use, like my favorite thing is the thymol, um, which is the formic acid because it is found in honey and it is found like ants and termites and stuff produce it as well. So it's also the only thing that actually treats below the cappings, but that I use it kind of on a random basis. So I start off the the formic acid, Okay. the formic acid, not the oxalic, um, the formic acid. But I start off the first year that I get a package of bees or I do a split, they don't get any treatments whatsoever. The second year they may get split or get um, a treatment potentially, depending on how that colony has done. The third year they get requeened. So each colony of mine might get treated with the formic acid once every three years is kind of the, the rotation. So mm-hmm. I'm on this weird hybrid where half of the time I'm doing a natural approach to beekeeping and half of the time I'm doing a treatment approach with the formic acid um, aspect of the treatment. And it's usually only on colonies that need it. So like if I would have looked at that colony and I, I can physically see mites on the colony, on the bees, mm-hmm. that's a bad sign. And in the fall, when you're coming out of, well, actually in the summer dearth, when, when the nectar flow stops and you come into the summer dearth, mm-hmm. what you're going to end up seeing is that the bees are actually dwindling dwindling in population yes. because now the flow has stopped and there's no food, so they cut back on the brood production and the egg laying. As the bees dwindle, though, the mite population is skyrocketing. Yes. So doing your mite checks, be it a powdered sugar roll shake, um, that way you don't kill the bees. You can shake them, shake the powder out, and actually count the mites that come out of it. It is not as accurate as the alcohol wash, but if you have a smaller colony or you don't want to kill 300 bees, the sugar shake is the way to go through and do that, and it's just powdered sugar. Um, again, you've heard us, heard us talk many, many times about the Honeybee Health Coalition and the Varroa Management Guide. There are videos and tutorials out there that show you specifically how to check for mites, how to do the sugar shake, how to do the sugar roll, um, go out there, look that up. That is literally the end all be all when it comes to information on that. You can read it. You can watch the videos for it. Um, no matter what your learning style is, they, they have something geared towards that. But doing the checks in the, in the fall is very important because if you have a huge mite population and your colony is going into winter that way, that colony may not make it out of winter. Yeah. Now, the flip side to that and, and something that Les has been doing for quite a while don't you like how I can pull you into the show, but you don't get to be part of the show? It's like a vicarious, he's sitting over here, like, and also they have masks on. So I can't tell you if he is smiling at me or glaring at me. All I can see is his eyes. <laughs> so um, I can't tell if that's a smile or a frown. But no, what Les has been doing for quite a while is going through and trying to help cultivate bees that are mite resistant. And so if he had a colony that does not do well with the mites, he's not going to breed off of that colony. He's not going to go through and propagator spread those genetics he's going to pick colonies that have better mite resistance that don't have those mite counts and then either requeen the other colony with lineage from one that is better and see if that helps or ultimately if that colony should not survive the winter well then that's nature weeding out the weaker bees and getting rid of the genetics that you don't necessarily want to have in your line of bees would you say that's a fair statement Okay. I got a nod, so I'm taking that as a yes. Mm-hmm. He's not throwing things at me, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Nutless is a very gentle soul. I don't think he would ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so going through and, and treating your bees, if that's what you want to do, if especially if you got bees from somewhere where they are always treated, if you don't treat them, 
they may die because that's they have not been forced to build up the resistances and the strength and the, and the genetic traits and stuff that they need to. Um, so for your situation, and for a lot of listeners out there, we had a lot of questions and stuff coming in about it, and people said, I do want to treat because, um, well, for instance, we had one listener who their apiary inspector came out and their apiary inspector is very much 100% treatment free, all natural beekeeping. And they cautioned against doing any treatment and they told her straight up, Hey, look, it's better to go through and let them die and then not spread those genetics and, and have that be a better thing. But to the listener's point, I spent a lot of time and money on these bees and it is my very first year having these bees and I'm going to be heartbroken if they die. And so you know, it again, flipping it back over to less, not on a treatment aspect, but on like a feeding aspect. If he does not have to feed his bees, if he doesn't have to do anything to the bees, but check on them and make sure they're okay, that's the best scenario. But if you come into a situation where you're in a severe drought, it's a basically a desolate wasteland out there and there's no food and your bees are starving, that's not necessarily a genetic trait. That is a mother nature has thrown a curveball, And sometimes you do have to make those decisions. Do I feed my bees and let them live or do I not? And they die. So be it on a feeding aspect, be it on a treatment aspect, each individual beekeeper has to make that decision for themselves. So what you and Max had decided to bring this back around here, mm-hmm. um, you've already lost a lot of bees this year, mm-hmm. mainly due to starvation because right. there wasn't the flow out there. No. Um, and we should have been feeding, but again, didn't feed when we should have. So therefore started feeding late mid July. Yeah. Um, and that was because I, I didn't want you on colonies that had the potential to make honey. I didn't want to risk having sugar syrup mixed in with it and, and adulterate that honey supply. So I kept telling you, no, no, no. But I also due to COVID and everything else was not able to physically go look at the hives. Um, so we wound up in this situation where what six, you have six packages left six or you packages lo- out of the 11 out of the 11. So lost them or have them have them. Okay. So he started off with 11 packages. Six of them remain. Mm-hmm. So that, that is kind of your 50, they're 50. Strong. They're strong. Yeah. No. Well, I'm going to mix a bunch of, I'm going to mix. You're going to do some combinations yeah. and things before winter. Yeah. Right. So when we look at it from that angle, you've already taken almost a 50% loss on just your new bees this year. Mm-hmm you don't want to risk losing more. Yeah. So if you do find a colony that's got the mites in there, you want them to hang on long enough that you can either combine them, mm-hmm. but you don't want to combine them with the mite load because you might have a colony that is doing great at keeping those mites off, and then you artificially inseminate them with hundreds of mites. Mm-hmm. So if you do go through and do that treatment, we talked about the during the heat of the summer, it makes it really, really, really hard to know what to do. Right. I would say do not use the Apigard. Don't use the Thymol. We had experience Mm-mm. with that last year. It was not Hop a good guard. thing. Um, Hopguard too. Hopguard, if you're using a Langstroth hive, Hopguard can be used. It's derived from hops, just like you use to make beer. So it is a quote-unquote natural ingredient. Um, however, I will also do the caveat. Bleach is a natural ingredient. That doesn't mean it's healthy for you. (laughs) So, um, and that also goes back to oxalic acid. It is a naturally occurring substance, but it will crystallize your lungs and can cause your other issues if misused. Um, you can also burn your apiary down if you're using the wand and set your hive on fire. So there's a lot of downsides to these types of things, definitely to keep in mind. But so for you going through setting it up, Using the hop guard, it is a it only treats the bees that are on the back or the mites that are on the back of the bees. That's mm-hmm. it. It's not going to treat any mites that are hiding in the cells, underneath the cappings, or under the larva. Mm-hmm. 
So those types of treatments, even an oxalic acid vaporization is going to do the same thing. It only treats the mites on the back of the bees. And when I went to the Young Harris Institute to their uh, master beekeeper, um, Georgia Institute thing they had last year, which my brain is, is dead at the moment. I can't think of his proper name, but it was their master beekeeper education course and also their little seminar um, at the Young Harris Institute there for their bee institute. So they actually had Jennifer Berry there and they had some college students that were leading the way with doing research on oxalic acid vaporization versus other things. And what the students had found is even if you treat that hive every single day, you're never going to get rid of all the mites because what's happening is you go out there and you vaporize that hive at 10 a.m. this morning. Any mites that are on the back of the bees that are in the hive right then when you treat it, die. Mm -hmm. Later that afternoon, a baby bee emerges from her cell as an adult bee with a mite or four that come out of that cell with her, immediately run over and crawl right back down into new brood cells and are capped up that evening. You didn't even catch those mites. So those four that came out, say you caught one of them. You still got three more mites that went into three other cells that are each going to produce a minimum of three extra mites. Now you're going to have a triple fold increase of mites come back out and you're still vaporizing every single day, but you're not killing all those mites because the vaporization will not treat underneath the cappings. It's the same thing with the hop guard. It is not going to treat underneath the cappings. So the hop guard strips are designed to put in there and they lay over the top of the frames, kind of like the beetle be gone strips, mm -hmm. except they hang all the way down. They're sticky. They're nasty. Mm -hmm. um, you put them in, the bees come in contact with it, get some on them. They try to clean themselves and be hygienic, which spreads it around. And if it comes into contact with the mite, it kills the mite, mm -hmm. but it has to come into contact. So your first treatment is 14 days. That's two weeks of those strips being in there. At the end of the 14 days, you immediately take them out and put in two more strips and they days. stay for 14 more days. So for 28 days, all you're doing is mitigating or knocking back your population of mites inside the colony. Mm -hmm. At the very end of it, yes, you have helped it not increase, hopefully, but you may not have done a substantial enough knockback to truly benefit your colony. Mm -hmm. You've helped it out. You've helped it limp along, basically. That is the one thing that I do like about the formic acid. And the formic acid is very strong. If you do not follow the directions, if you do not, like if, if we were to treat any time in the last two weeks, you'd nuke your entire oh, colony yeah, and kill, kill it. it. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's too hot. With a formic acid, anything above 85 degrees on the first three days, you're done. Also, if you do not provide proper ventilation, and by that it is... You've got your brood box. You put one to two strips, depending on the size of the colony, over the top, and the, the, they should come with a visual diagram of directions on how to use it. But you put it on top of the brood frames. Then you put whatever else you've got back on there. And then at the very top, below your inner cover, but at the very top of your boxes, you add an additional empty box. No frames, no nothing, just a giant void of space to give the bees extra room to get away from that if they need to. Then you also have an upper ventilation or upper entrance, and you remove your bottom entrance entirely so it's all the way open. If you don't, and the temperatures go up, you're going to nuke your bees. If you don't, and your queen is older, she may die. Like, it is not for the faint of heart, and it is not necessarily the best thing. And that's the downside to any treatment, is you're trying to kill an insect on an insect. Yeah, I lost two queens with the... Uh, with, uh... Yeah. With the formic acid mm -hmm. or with it, which one? Apigard. Apigard, yeah. Oh, that was the thymol. Yes. But you guys did treatments this spring with the formic acid, but it was formic pro. It wasn't the Mite Away Quick Strips. No, it was 
right? Or right. did you, yeah, you got Formic Pro yeah. and put in there. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have any losses from that? Lost two queens. You lost two queens That's from that. That's the ones we lost. Okay. So see, there you go. Again, not for the faint of heart. Um, luckily for me, when I have done the treatments, I haven't lost any queens, but I'm treating either in a top bar, which has a ton of space, or I am adding a lot of extra space and ventilation to my hives to make sure that it doesn't work. And again, I'm only treating once every three years if they need it. Now, for the last three years, every time the apiary inspection service has come out to my ha- uh, to my main apiary out there and tested, zero mites. And that's doing only treating if I need to. This year, the only colony we treated was the blue colony on top of the hotel. And that was because when I went up there to check it just before summer hit, it had so many mites that I literally couldn't look at a bee without seeing a mite on the bee. It was devastating. And that was the only colony that got treated this year. I haven't treated any of the other colonies. They're all doing great. I go out there, I do my mite check, nothing. (laughs) So I like it. It's great. That could also be attributed to some of our quote-unquote spicy genetics, to that scutellata genetics that could potentially be in some of the bees that we have open-mated out there. Plus, I like to do the Russian Carniolan hybrid, which already has good hygienic uh, hygienic traits to it. So you take that good hygienic base, and then you open-mate it, and you get what I call my second-gen queens, which have some of the feral genetics around here too. And trust me, out at my main apiary, the feral genetics are... Definitely on the spicy side. <laughs> so, mm. but they do a good job at that. That marriage of those two things does a great job at going through and keeping the mites out of there. So that is the plus to that. The one thing I like about the the, the our swarms that we've caught, those queens are prolific, very prolific. Yeah, they lay a lot of brood. Now they lay a lot of mean brood. <laughs> I don't want one to go, go out, but but the second gen queens we've got one that's was we got a second gen scratch queen and she's laying like a feral Texas redheaded mutt. <laughs> there, there we go. There it is. And There's so, the term. Oh, <laughs> Natalie's redheaded and she's now scolding and pointing at uh, at Ken over here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm sorry. And so I've got a whole herd of redheads in my family. But anyway, my dad was a redhead, and he marked all the grandkids. <laughs> Every one of them redhead. But anyway, uh, uh, but I think that as you, as these bees are around the mites more and more, our feral bees are learning how to take care of them on their own. In, and yes. I, I know I know, Les is sitting there, well, hell yeah, they are. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now here's, before we wrap this show up, here's one downside <laughs> to the scutellata genetics, the Apis mellifera scutellata. One of their techniques on dealing with mites is absconding. Mm-hmm. They will load the colony up full of brood. They will wait for all the mites to go in. They cap them so they're locked in the cells, and then everybody pieces out and they're gone. They take the queen and everybody else that's home, and they leave, and they abandon that colony and those bees to die with the mites, which unfortunately can create a mite bomb because now you have a colony that is unguarded. All of these new brood, if they survive, are going to start emerging out, and there's nobody there to guard it, so other bees are going to come in to rob it out, and then that unfortunately spreads those genetics, and that's something that you and I talked about, about out there where you are, you have all of these really late season swarms. Oh yeah, they're do. huge mm-hmm. swarms too, and they're happening in August, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't expect to see a thirty thousand yeah. bee cluster 
in August. You yeah. would expect to see like a 10,000 bee cluster. And so these massive swarms come through, but you also have an area out there where you have a huge mite problem. Yeah. So it could be this interplay of the dynamics between potential scutellata genetics in the bees and the mites and them possibly absconding. So it's not really a swarm you're catching. It could perhaps be an abscond. Mm -hmm. And then they're leaving these feral colonies in a tree somewhere to then become a mite bomb and spread the mites to all of your hives that are managed hives. So that could be potentially something that's going on, but that is speculation. We don't necessarily know. No, we don't know. And so. with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come to an abrupt end because my clock says we are out of time and we're I'm paying for this space. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we are out of time. So, hopefully, um, the sound quality on this has been a drastic improvement. Fingers crossed. I don't know yet because I can't hear it. Um, but hopefully, it has been. Hopefully, you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much to Natalie and Les and Be Mindful Thank being, y'all. being in here today with us. And, uh, Ken, it's really good to see you, sir. It is. It's really fun. Yeah. It, see, I think this felt much better than how it has in the past. Oh, yeah. It's more like it used to be. Like it should be. Yeah. That's right. All right, everybody. Uh, stay safe out there and be good. Y'all y'all be healthy, be safe, and, you know, do the social distancing thing. Do the the, the mask thing, and, and you ain't wearing mask. Neither are you. I know. I said, me but and you ain't. Oh, me and you. I thought I said, and you ain't. I was like, no. neither are you. No. You're six well, less foot away. Yeah, less, less than Natalie are, but you're six foot away from me at the moment. Yeah, I know. So, okay. And I'm not going to touch your microphone. You're taking that sucker home with you. That's my man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say bye. Y'all be good, family. We'll see y'all later. Y'all be good. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.